Welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast with your hosts, Jackie and Brooke, where we challenge the culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. I feel that I have been waiting for this day for a lifetime. I have always wanted to um, combine my Christian ministry with uh, counseling and food because I, I think every time I talk to a person, it's like, this isn't really just a food issue. This is a spiritual issue. And you have to go so much deeper than do you eat carrots or do you eat um, peas? That's, you know, so much deeper. And culinary medicine is how I taught nutrition for over 50 years. And today I use it to help medical students to work with their patients so that when a patient comes in and they say, oh, you need to make some changes in your life to move towards better health. And the patient goes, well, how do I do that? Well, you need to change your diet. Well, what do I do there? So it's trying to help medical students work through some of those issues with their patients. And some of the most important things I think of is like sitting down to a meal and saying grace because a life of attitude, gratitude, is so important for our spiritual health. And then sharing a meal with those we love, the relationships and bonding that are built is a reservoir of emotional health. And eating a wide variety of foods, always prepared in awesome, delicious ways, it meets our physical needs and it builds good health. Um, you know, Grace, I, I feel like Grace means so much more than how it's thrown out today in our culture. And Brooke, I'd love for you to share, how did you come up with the idea of eating with grace? Like, where did that begin? And what was your journey in finding that eating with grace? Well, it started about uh, six or seven years ago. So I've been a dietitian for 15 years. Um, just to give you a little background of where, where I'm coming from. And uh, I worked primarily in uh, the long-term care setting. Um, I actually did some eating disorder work in my undergrad. And so um, I just, I think it all stemmed from the rise of like the clean eating uh, wellness type messaging and culture that came out of that like 2010 era. Uh, there was a, a big shift in nutrition at that time. I think that's when all of a sudden people started, um, you know, saying that egg yolks are okay again, and everyone was eating butter and coconut oil became this big thing. And I just, there were so many things that challenged what I had been taught. There were so many things that challenged um, uh, the nutrition industry at that time. And it was also a time in my life when I think I had really come to understand what grace was, like God's grace was. Now, I, I was raised a Christian. I, of course, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I accept him as my savior at a young age. But until I became a parent, I really did not understand um, the true meaning of grace, that it wasn't something that I had to um, earn or a list of do's and don'ts in order to be um, accepted and loved by God. And so it was really interesting because I found this parallel between God's grace, this gift that he gave us, um, you, you know, uh, uh, to be loved and accepted by him versus this, um, 
the dieting and the, the food rules and the almost legalism. Like I found <clears throat> this disconnect between those two. And I felt like that's where, that's where eat with grace came out of. I was so made aware of, um, the black and white thinking around food and how it competed with this idea of grace and the nuances that go into it. And, and, and that's where it came from. So eat with grace was a, was a, a phrase that I, I really believe the Lord gave me. Um, and the verse that I chose to, to use with this, um, ministry or business or whatever you want to call it was Hebrews 13, nine. And it says your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food. And so it just fit perfectly. Um, it was talking all about how, you know, the Jewish food rituals about eat this, don't eat that. And I felt like that's where our culture was at the time. And it still is to this day where there's just this list of do this, don't do this. And it's really not that simple. There's so much gray area in between there and so much room for grace in our eating. And so that's, that's where it came from. And so I don't know if you can relate to that at all, Jackie, um, in your career, did you notice that there was just this this big push towards this black and white thinking around food? Definitely, definitely. I think it's such a beautiful description that you just gave. And repeat, what was the verse again? I want to hear that again. Yeah, it's Hebrews 13, 9. And I think it's the New Living Translation is what I used. Um, it says, your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food. That that is That is just the crux of this whole podcast. And I just think that um, if we can kind of remember of God's grace in our lives is way, way overshadows any rules and regulations that we can put on it and that man puts on it. And I think the failure of the diet culture has just proved that we need this grace. I think if you look at the research, 98% of all diets fail. If you consider success, keeping weight off for five years. And so all these rules and regulations have failed, but we continually to put it on my, on ourselves. And I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my patients' lives, et cetera. But um, Brooke, how has your vision of this grace with um, eating changed over time? So when I first started it, uh, I want to say I started my blog officially in like 2013 and um at that point, I was a little more into, I wanted to know how God wanted us to eat. So I was looking at what the Bible said. I think I was still kind of stuck in that, um, you know, maybe we should just eat God created foods and not eat man-made foods. So I kind of got sucked into that a little bit. Um, but what really changed for me was when I read the book, Intuitive Eating uh, by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. I'm not sure if you've if you've read the book or not. Um, life-changing book for me uh, that just completely changed how I saw nutrition, how I saw my body. I really do believe that it is the way that God created us to eat. Um, before we had nutrition science, people just ate. They ate when they were hungry. They stopped when they were full. They ate what food was available. Now, of course, nutrition science has given us a lot of good things. Like we've eradicated a lot of deficiencies and we know more about what foods do for us in our bodies. Um, and, and it's good to incorporate those things as well. But uh, intuitive eating just really, really changed my mind um, on, 
on that black and whiteness about eating, right? And so that was a huge part of it um, over time. I've also really cut back on um, the weight focused uh, part of nutrition and dieting. Um, and this a lot came from professional experience. Uh, I got a job where I was working in an outpatient setting and I still do today um, where I was seeing a lot of patients who were coming and wanting to lose weight. And, um, you know, as part of an assessment as dietitians, we ask them, you know, what, what they're currently eating, what their food patterns are like, what they're doing for exercise. And what I would find is that so many, especially women, and I want to say middle-aged women who were coming in with concerns about their weight, were actually doing all of the right things. Um, they were eating a varied balanced diet. They weren't overeating um, on a regular basis. They were getting exercise, like adequate exercise, what I would say. Um, and they were so frustrated that they just couldn't lose weight. And, you know, like this is where I was like, I, I legally, well, not legally, maybe ethically, I don't know if I can give you any recommendations to change anything. And so it was coming to this conclusion that like, maybe weight loss isn't possible for every single person. Maybe it's not the thing that we should focus on per se. Um, and as long as they're engaging in these health promoting behaviors, like why can't that be enough? And so it really changed from kind of a weight loss focus thing to, to, to a body image thing. Like what are our bodies here for? Does the weight really matter? Let's just eat and take care of our body well. And this is where I get it, you know, body stewardship. Um, you know, I started focusing on that a little bit and how God created our bodies to work and how we're supposed to take care of them in a very non-legalistic way. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of how it's changed over the years. That, that's a, a fascinating picture to imagine. If I um, look at my own experiences in counseling, you know, it was way back in the 90s that I actually was teaching intuitive eating. But it wasn't a straight path to today because then I would go to a facility that they, they didn't support that. It was hospitals and clinics where the doctors, they wanted the patients on this kind of diet or this kind. Of, so I would kind of vacillate back and forth between the rules, between intuitive eating and others. But, you know, there was one real defining changing moment. And I worked home health for a long time and I was sent by a doctor, a referral to a, a gentleman's home. His wife had cancer and she needed a, hope, a high protein diet. She was in the middle of the living room on a hospital bed, um, just having so many difficulties eating and she needed more um, protein in her diet. And traditionally, the way we teach nutrition education is you would go through all the information, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking, that's not what they need. He's never cooked in his life. He needs to understand that eggs are high protein and this is how we can fry an egg or you could boil an egg or you could scramble an egg and get complete protein. You know, this is how we could put peanut butter in a smoothie so that it increases the protein value as well as the calories there. And so I remember going to his kitchen and pulling out pans and pulling out the eggs and the peanut butter and whatever he had in his cupboard to show him how easy he could prepare some things that his wife could eat. Mm -hmm. And 
that was a real change for me. I don't think I ever told the doctors that I did that. And I always kind of felt like I was sneaking behind everyone's back doing this culinary medicine because I, I, but I felt like my patients need to see real food and how that can be a part of their lives and how important it was. And I kind of uh, was, was freed up myself to get away from the rules that I might have normally given about nutrition. I just mm -hmm. didn't really believe in them. I was like you. I'd seen patients who were doing all the right things and going in all the right um, programs and doing the right things, and they still were struggling with the weight loss. And culinary medicine became a way to relate to and engage with my patients on a level that they could really appreciate. And um, so that that was just one of the, the things that really helped me. But Brooke, I was wondering in your path to expertise on chronic dieting, on disordered eating, and as a certified diabetes educator, tell me a little bit about how, what was your path to expertise on these areas? Well, some of it comes from personal experience. Um, if, if I'm going to go back and share a little bit of my story, uh, I started my first diet when I was 11 years old. Oh Wasn't because I had any weight issues. I think it was just, um, you know, the societal norms and pressures maybe that um, were huge in the nineties. <laughs> uh, and maybe they still are today for young girls. Um, but I was at that, you know, time in my life that, you know, pubescent time where things are changing. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, diets, like, do I need, do I need to be doing this? Is this something that I should be doing? Because when you read it in the magazines and you see it on, like, you just see it everywhere. You know, it was just one of those things that, um, that I did. And what that, what that did was started a trajectory through junior high and high school of very erratic eating patterns. Um, I never had an eating disorder clinically. Um, I never lost excessive amounts of weight or anything like that. <clears throat> but, you know, as a, I remember it like being a freshman in high school and eating, um, actually I would, so first of all, I would get up in the morning and I would do Jane Fonda aerobics videos before school. Okay. Then I would go to school. I would eat an apple and have a diet Coke for lunch. Like, and then I would go to a basketball or volleyball practice after school. And then in the evenings I would overeat all the time. And so it was just this really unhealthy pattern of eating. Um, and it was all driven by this uh, poor body image, desire to lose weight or to look a certain way. And so I grew up in that. Um, it's really interesting. I also had multiple friends in high school and college that actually suffered from severe eating disorders. Um, and so it was something that I was always interested in. It is actually one of the things that drove me to be a dietitian. Um, and so when I became a dietitian, uh, I worked uh, in an eating disorder in an inpatient unit for a couple of years. Um, and I've just always had a heart. I've just always had a heart for people who struggle with food, um, whether, whether it's their weight, whether it's overeating, whether it's undereating, body image, any of those things, I can just relate so much. And so that's kind of where my passion for this came from and, um, and, and how it evolved over time. And how, um, what kind of experiences do you have in your own family? Uh, I mean, with your, with your kids and, 
and your husband. I know you have a, a crazy busy life and you're going in a lot of different directions and trying to meet a lot of different needs in your family. Tell me a little bit about your um, ideas of eating with grace for families. Yeah. So just to give you a little history or um, background on my family, I'm married to my husband, Joel, and we have two kids. So I have a 13 year old boy named Tucker and I have a 12 year old daughter named Aubrey and uh, Aubrey is special needs. She was born with a brain disorder. Um, we're really not exactly sure what it is. She doesn't have a definite diagnosis, um, but as a 12 year old, she has the um, function of about a one-year-old. So she doesn't speak. She doesn't, um, she's actually blind because of the part of her, her brain that was affected. She has cortical blindness and, um, but she walks. <laughs> and so, um, so that, that gives you a little bit of um, kind of the, the family dynamic that we have. She doesn't live with us um, because she goes to a special needs school where she can get all of her therapies in school about an hour away. So that's just a little bit about our family. But <clears throat> I think being a dietitian and um, using this eight, eat with grace concept with our family, um, I, I know exactly how I want my son, especially to grow up and what kind of environment I want him raised in, in regards to food. And so from an early age, um, it's been important for me to let him have a lot of uh, responsibility or the ability to, um, you know, make his own food choices. Um, you know, as a dietitian, I think a lot of people, and maybe, maybe you've experienced this in this, in your family, but you know, when he was really young, I had this urge to like control everything he ate, right? Cause I wanted him to be uh, super healthy and I wanted him not to eat too much sugar and all these things. And so I think there was at the beginning that thing or that urge to do that. But as time progressed and as I learned more about, um, you know, intuitive eating and the division of responsibility, um, it's just been really nice to see him grow up with a healthy relationship with food. Um, Sure, we talk about nutrients and food. I think that's great. I think it's really important for parents to talk about nutrition, um, but just not in terms of weight. I don't think calories should be talked about with kids. Um, fat grams, none of that matters. But sure, we can talk about carrots being good for our eyes, or we can talk about why we eat meat because it's going to help build our muscles or things like that. Um, and so that's that's one way that I incorporated it. Um, with him. And then just also including him in the meal planning and the grocery shopping. Like if he wants to pick out a sugary cereal, he can do that. And I'm not going to make him feel bad about that. Um, because I want, I want it to be normal. I don't want him to have to hide things from me as far as food goes. I don't want him to feel like, um, like he, like he's being deprived or restricted in, in any way, because you, you do see disordered eating patterns pop up in kids uh, that are raised that way. Yeah, that's, that's uh, super interesting, Brooke. And I think that um, you have unique challenges in your family, but I think we all do. It is mm -hmm. so hard to find, you know, the time, the energy, the, uh, the space in our lives to sit down at a meal and to share a meal with our family. You know, I just wanted to um, think about the first time I started teaching culinary medicine, you know, I was in 4-H. 
and we gave demonstrations regularly at our 4-H meetings. So I was really young when I started doing uh, this kind of work. And I was probably 14 years old, the very age in 4-H where you were allowed to, to go to the state fair with a project. And I did a demonstration on how to preserve nutrients in, in my garden vegetables. And so it's kind of interesting because I was 14 years old. I got a grand champion purple ribbon for this demonstration. I went to the state fair and I'm still doing the same kind of work today. So today I, I talk with groups. I talk with med students. I talk with um, physicians about food and, you know, different ways of cooking foods and, and, uh, bringing out the best in the nutrients. And, you know, I like to give examples of when you eat a salad, if you add a little bit of oil to the salad dressing, you actually release more of the nutrients in the salad. So people that are putting fat-free salad dressing on their salad may not, may be doing a disservice. And so those are the little culinary medicine tips that I have uh, found really helpful for me. Um, Brooke, give me an example in your counseling or in your personal life. What are some of the things that you like to focus on? You know, when it comes from a like a nutrition standpoint, um, I this is where like nutrition is such a individualized thing, and that's where I feel like the diet culture out there tries to, you know. Uh, enforce all of these like cookie cutter patterns, eating patterns and diets onto people where you really have to look at every individual um, to see like what their health needs are, what their preferences are, what their cooking abilities are, what their budgets are. There's like so many factors that go into nutrition and, and eating and what we decide to eat. Um, and so that's one thing that I, I like to focus on, especially is making sure that I am um, I think balance, balance is one of the big things that I, that I tell people from a nutrition standpoint that I like to focus on, um, just because of the extremism of the ketos and the carnivore diets and the vegans, like you don't have to eat that way. Just eat a balanced diet. Do you have some protein at your meal? Do you have some carbohydrates? Do you have some fat? Do you have some fiber? Like just balance, um, because when you eat that way, you're gonna, you're gonna get the energy your body needs. You're gonna get the nutrients it needs over time. Um, you're gonna feel your best. Uh, and, and you're gonna have a less likely chance to get into any of those disordered eating pattern type things. And so, you know, just trying to help people to eat normally and to listen to their, to their God-given hunger and fullness signals. I think that's a huge part of it is that um, dieting takes those things away when we're, when we're told to eat a specific amount of food at specific times of the day, you know, when we put all these like rigid rules on us, it, it, it takes away that ability to use the tools that God actually gave us. And so, um, I'd say those are kind of the top two things that I like to talk about a lot is making sure we're listening to our body, um, and just eating, eating a variety of uh, a balanced diet. I love those ideas. I love that idea. You know, it's very simple. 
it's very timeless kinds of uh, steps to take towards better health. But it's also really hard. It's incredibly hard. I think for, um, you know, when we start out as a child, it might be a little easier. But once we start regulating things, sometimes that can override our feelings of hunger or our feelings of fullness. So right there, it could have started a young age, it could have started, you know, when you're 50, that you uh, start regulating and pretty soon you forget what it feels like to be hungry and full and to listen to those cues. Well, right. And like, when we look at, you know, a lot of people who struggle with weight in their adult life, it, it beca- it's because they dieted and restricted as a young person. And they've, they've like done some severe damage to their body um, and their metabolism. And so it's like this lifelong struggle that, that never goes away. And that's why it's so important to not, not enforce these diets or to um, try to protect our kids from them when they're young. Cause it does, it, it does have lasting effects. One question I always ask myself and think about is what came first? Did the dieting come before overweight, underweight issues, or did the overweight, underweight issues create the dieting? And usually think, oh, well, we dieted because we were overweight or for some other reason. That might not be true. It might be that all the dieting caused us to be overweight. So I, I think our whole society is moving towards a heavier weight. And the more fad diets, the more rules, the more regulations that we have, the more trouble our, our population seems to be in. Like, what is it? Is it something like 66% of our population is overweight or obese? Yes. Um, I could guarantee you that most of those people all have these rules and regulations that they're trying yep follow to try and um work around it and then they just give up and just right. go whatever they want and binge or right that. so yeah it, it is it's really interesting because yeah i mean nutrition science is relatively new it's only been around for a little over 100 years and um yeah people are living longer and we know more about nutrition but are we really um is it helping or not? And yeah, because yeah, people are eating more and more all the time. Like our calorie levels now are so much higher than they were even 50 years ago. And there's, there's so many variables that play into this, um, whether it's knowledge or behavior, food environment. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so many factors that it's hard to pinpoint what it is. But when you think back, you know, 200 years ago, they didn't worry about stuff like this. They just ate. It would be fascinating to go back to that time and like, um, just, just live and not have all those mess, all those messages coming at you all the time. And our vision for this podcast really is to push back on the culture. If we're not pushing back on the culture, we're probably flowing along with it without even realizing it. Um, talk a little bit about pushing back that culture and what our vision for this podcast is. So I, I think, first of all, I want to define what, what we're talking about when we say the culture. So, and maybe you could give some insight on this too, but when I think about pushing back on the culture in terms of um, dieting, uh, wellness, weight loss, that's what I'm pushing back on. Pushing back on this need to follow restrictive eating patterns, 
um, to control everything we put into our mouth, to let our desire for a specific body or even health status just take over our lives. And so that's the culture that I'm pushing back on. Um, what would you agree with that, Jackie? Definitely, definitely. One thing that I think about, our, our culture is, it seems to be a little bit of a mess. There's so much chaos, there's so much dissension, there's so much division. And any time that you have that in the culture, you know, that is in the family too. Our families are, it's difficult and life is very stressful. And when you have life like that, we all have a tendency to find something we can control, find something that we can say, do this, 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 and this, and everything is gonna be wonderful. And we can't do that with our family or our kids or our world. So then we end up trying to do it with food. And um, so the culture kind of creeps into our families, it creeps into our personal life. Yep. So that back and saying, okay, I can't control the world out there. Um, I can look at my relationship with God and I am responsible for, you know, uh, my, my prayer time, my Bible reading time, my time with God is way more important than all the rules and regulations that I could ever put on food. Right. A hundred percent. And so I think the vision for this podcast, um, we're going to be, um, yeah, just pushing back on some of those messages. I think we'll talk about some of those diets going forward and maybe uh, the harms that can come from them. I think we're going to talk about that intersection of faith um, and um, like our spiritual lives and our health. We'll incorporate that. Um, we can talk about body image. We can talk about, you know, what it means to honor God with our bodies. Um, I think, I think we're open to a lot of different conversations. Uh, but I think just ultimately we want to tell people that you don't have to, you don't have to do those things that the culture is telling you you do to live a healthy life. I think that's the main message. Like, um, let, let's focus on uh, what God has called us to do on earth and what our purpose is on this earth. Um, and let's let, not let food um, play such a huge role in it or give it, give it more power than it deserves. <laughs> that is just a wonderful statement. And that's a wonderful way to end the podcast today. And this is uh, the Eating with Grace podcast with your hosts, Brooke and Jackie. You can get in touch with me through Cooking with Jackie. You can also subscribe to the Cooking with or Eating with Grace podcast. And Brooke, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, you can find me at brookfredrickson.com. Uh, I'm also on uh, multiple social media outlets, uh, but our Eat with Grace podcast is going to be on Instagram. And so you can find us at Eat with Grace podcast on Instagram and follow us there. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.